answer a question tonight that was asked. I'm going to endeavor to. From this passage. So that's what I'm starting to do on Thursday nights where we answer the questions that were put in the question box. So Matthew chapter 8, let's begin at verse 5. I'm going to read through verse 13. It says, When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, to another, Come, and he cometh, to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and west, and shall set down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, um, question was about how, why are some cast out of the kingdom of heaven? So let's, let's look to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll look at this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to look into your word tonight. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, encourage us, challenge us. We pray that you may be glorified, and we'd be encouraged in our walk with you and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we think about the, about, you know, the children of the kingdom here, first question I want to answer is, what is the kingdom of God? You know, the, the Bible uses the word kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ. And it all refers to the same thing. Uh, the word kingdom, of course, means the power or authority of a king, a realm or a domain over which this extends. So if you think about it, the kingdom of God is both the rule of God and the extent of his rule. So it's, 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 you know, it's, it's a kingdom over which God rules. As I mentioned, it's also called the kingdom of Christ. In Ephesians 5, 5, the Bible says, For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an adulterer, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So he you know, uses both terms there, uh, of the Godhead. Colossians 1, 13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, speaking about Christ, has translated us in the kingdom of his dear son. And of course, then 2 Peter 1.11 says, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it is an everlasting kingdom. Uh, and it's also referred to, as I mentioned, to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, most times in Matthew, Matthew uses that term kingdom of heaven. And of course, that's used interchangeably. For example, in Matthew 4, 17, when Jesus comes on the scene preaching, it says that he's preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, a parallel passage, instead of saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So other than the word heaven and God used interchangeably, the, the, the verses say the same thing also in Luke 4, 43. So it's used interchangeably. So when you think about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of Christ, they're all the same thing. 
It's God's kingdom. Uh, and as we think about it, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God must be entered. It must be entered. There are requirements for entering into the kingdom of God given to us in the Bible. In Matthew 5.20, uh, speaking, speaking, the Lord Jesus said, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So you have to be, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees or forget it. You're not in. Now, of course, what was their righteousness? What was the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? It was their own righteousness. You know, they pride themselves in the, in the things that they did. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we have to have the righteousness of God to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Paul said in Philippians 3, 9, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. And, you know, and again, in the context there, in the preceding verses, Paul's talking about his credentials as a Pharisee. You know, he was touching the law blameless. But he said, I count it all but dumb. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And then he said, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. No, I have to have righteousness that exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees if I'm going to enter into the kingdom of God. So not having mine own righteousness is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So we have to have the righteousness of God. Uh, you know, these all equal the same thing. There's a couple of things here I want to mention. Uh, it also is entered by doing the will of the Father. Well, what is the will of the Father? Well, Matthew 27, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. What is God's will for every person? It's really very simple. John six forty. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up the last day. You see, the will of the Father is really simple. You, come to, you believe on the Son the Lord Jesus Christ. You receive him as your Lord and as your Savior. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So it is entered, of course, by doing the will of the Father, uh, as Matthew 7, 21 tells us. It's also, to enter it, you must be, of course, born again. That's what all these things equal to. Be born again. John 3, 5. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Of course, he was telling Nicodemus that. So, so the kingdom of God, really, is a spiritual kingdom. And every believer enters the kingdom of God at the moment of salvation. Colossians 1, 13, 14, the Bible says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So when we get saved, we're, we're leaving the, the kingdom of darkness and we're being placed or translated to the kingdom of, of Christ. 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. You know, the unsaved do not belong in this kingdom. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, Know ye not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? And then it gives a list. Neither adulterers, fornicators, covetous, boasters, you know, all those things. Uh, Galatians 5 talks about the works of the flesh, and these things do not enter into the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God, so the, so the kingdom of God is entered by regeneration, by, or, you know, other terms we, that mean the same thing, or being saved, being born again. How's the church entered? Baptism. That's how the church is entered. You see, the kingdom of God and the church are two different things. They're two different things. They are not the same. This is why, this is where the universal church idea comes from, or the invisible church. Because the kingdom of God is invisible. It's not something visible. In fact, Jesus told the Pharisees the kingdom of God is not with observation. Paul told the church at Rome and Romans, not the Roman Catholic Church, but the church at Rome, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So those are invisible things, things that, you know, you might see evidences of that in a person's life, but you can't really see it. So it's, it is an invisible kingdom. It's, now, now, this kingdom will become visible someday during the millennium. This, this is, a, this is a, as, as a, uh, what was it? I think it was right here in verse, verse 12. No, it's not in this. Uh, some, one of the verses I read talks about it. Oh, yeah. Second uh, Peter 1.11 talks about it. It's an everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, so it is an everlasting kingdom. Um, but it is entered by the new birth. So it is not the church. So don't try and put the two together. Don't try and put the two together. Um, people that enter the kingdom of God should be members, become members of a church. However, okay, so, so it's entered. So think about that. It's entered. Uh, it must be entered. Third thing I want to notice, it, of course, requires faith. Now, here in Matthew chapter 8, verse 11, it says, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and from and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now, uh, in John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, John 1, 11 and 12, the Bible says that he came unto his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So as we think about it, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, it requires faith. You know, when you think, when you read, for example, you'll sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Who's, what's Abraham known as? Father of the Father of the what? What did you say? No, it's not what I'm looking for. Huh? No. No. What Galatians, um, is it Galatians or Romans talks about, you know, you know, it talks about him being the father of us all. 
He's the father of the faithful. Those that by, receive the Lord by faith. Um, although he is, you know, physically, physically he is the father of the Jews. But when, when you see that reference, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that's one of the things that God told Moses, and Moses would tell the children of Israel over and over again. And so it, it, it's the idea that, that, that uh, uh, you know, the, of course, God made the promises to Israel, and God will keep his promises uh, to the faithful. So the, these, these are examples, you might say, of patriarchs who walked by faith. They're all listed in Hebrews chapter 11, all three of them. And the centurion here in this passage exemplifies this kind of faith, though he's a Gentile, most likely. But he exemplifies this kind of faith. While the children, in context of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, do not. Galatians 3, 7 says this, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Now, Paul writing to the churches in Galatia makes no distinction there between whether a person is Jew or Gentile. He says, they that are of faith are the children. He's talking about spiritually, of course. But you know, the, the children of Israel pride themselves as being the children of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, being the children of the kingdom. They pride themselves in that. In fact, you know, the scriptures bears reference to that, that, uh, that as well. Uh, in in uh, Matthew 3, 9, it says, And think not to say within yourselves, of course, Jesus here speaking to the Pharisees, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. You know, they all, that's what they often said. Uh, John 8, 39, They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. In Acts 3, 25, Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Then again in Acts 13, 26. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. So the Jews, you know, as you think about these statements, the Jews just were God's chosen people. They were the descendants of Abraham. But if you're just talking about physical, so is Ishmael. If that's all you're referring to, and if that's all they claim, if 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 they're if they're not gonna if they're not gonna receive the the faith of their father Abraham, they're no better than Ishmael. Ishmael's got as much right then as they do. Maybe that's why they're having such a problem with the land over there. In fact, that is. You see, there was advantages to being a Jew. Or to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. <clears throat> Romans 3 verse 1 says, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way. 
chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. Now, when he's talking about the oracles of God, he's talking about the word of God. Committed to the Jews was the word of God. So was there advantages to being a Jew? You bet there was. They had the word of God. The rest of the world didn't have it, except in a few places. You know, there was probably some scrolls of Babylon, and maybe wherever the Jews went, they took them along, but that's, that's you know, as far as, uh, that's about it. And you think about it, in, in, in the book of Acts, when Paul would go on his missionary journeys, who did he go to first? You know, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. He always went to the Jews first. He always did. But he usually got the same response. Look at Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Acts 28, verse 17, says, It came to pass that after three days Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he's in Rome, by the way, when they're come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered prisoner from Jerusalem to the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with his chain. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Jerusalem or Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expanded and testified the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. When they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I shall he I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. So what you have is children of those that are in the kingdom not accepting the kingdom. Look at, look at Matthew also, Matthew chapter 21. Jesus spoke much about this. Matthew 21, 32. 31 and 32. Uh, he's, given, it is, he's given parables here. Uh, let's start verse 28 for context. Well, what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. 
He came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether in twain did the will of his father, they say unto him the first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and the harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe. So here was, you know, again, these people were so close to the kingdom, or they were children of those in the kingdom, and yet would not enter. Uh, again, chapter, uh, I'll drop down to verse 33, and I'm not going to read all this for sake of time, but this is another parable of the husbandmen, and uh, he speaks it against the Pharisees, and they know it. Uh, let's drop down to verse 42. It says, Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say I unto you, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but whomsoever it shall fall, it grind into powders. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard this parable, these parables, they perceived they spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. So, so what he's telling them is in this parable is that that God's going to take what's available to you, and he's going to give it, make it available to the Gentiles, because you've rejected it. And so. You know, in Matthew chapter 8, when he says that there's going to come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the children of the kingdom are going to be cast out, those that should be sitting down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their own descendants, are going to be rejected. And those from afar, all over the world, will sit down in the kingdom of God with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You see, these people grew up and lived with the truth of God right in their midst. So near to salvation, yet so far from the kingdom. Think of Judas Iscariot, the rich young ruler. The Pharisee in Luke chapter 18, who went up to the temple to pray. You see, these are really, and when it says that they are the children of the kingdom, it's referring to the fact that they are, they are Jewish. They are children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet they're going to be cast out or they're going to be rejected because they did not receive the truth. You know, not much has changed. What do we see happening in churches today? Many times people grow up, young people grow up in churches that preach the gospel, and yet they reject it. They're so near, and yet so far away. Yet so far away. You know, Revelation 3, 5 tells us that he that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life, 
but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now, I've heard this discussed, and and I in in just recently by by a young couple, they were studying this very fact. When does God, when does God write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Well, Revelation 13, 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, chapter 3, verse 5 of Revelation says that I will, I will not blot out his name. He that overcometh, the idea there is of the one who has faith, shall be clothed with white raiment, that speaks of the righteousness of Christ, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before the angels. So, so it's referring to a saved person. And God says, I will not blot that person's name out. And I believe what the Bible teaches here is that every person that's born has their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But those that reject Christ at some point have it blotted out. They have it blotted out. That word blot out means to obliterate or to wash it away. You know, Judas had his name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But at some point, you know, whether when, when he hanged himself, I think it was probably before that, he had his name blotted out. God knows everything. God knows the end from the beginning. He has foreknowledge. So, so he knows when that person makes their choice and, and, and you know, seals their doom. So at some point... His name was blotted out. The rich young ruler had his name blotted out at some point. The Pharisees had their names blotted out. Every person has their name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but at some point, when they, if they reject Christ, if they don't receive Christ as Lord and Savior, it's blotted out. And the same is true here. It says in verse 12, But the children of kingdoms shall be cast out. Into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So those children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are going to have their names blotted out of the book of life. And what's so sad about it is they had such privilege to see the truth of God, the salvation of God walking in their midst. To see God's power demonstrated in their midst. To see his, what he said about himself validated in their midst. And yet, they said, no, we will not have this man rule over us. You see, you know, we can be so near and yet so far. And we must have the faith like this centurion, like Abraham, like Isaac, and like Jacob. The faith of putting our dependence, our trust in the Lord to save us and not ourselves as the Pharisees did. The Pharisees were trusting in their own good works, their own way, 
and not in the Lord. Therefore, Jesus said, they will be cast out in their outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, if we want to be in the kingdom of God, we have to receive it. We must enter it. It requires a choice to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as the only hope of salvation. It's not the church. Church can't save you. You know, the church church is visible. The kingdom is invisible. Um, it's not the church. But, you know, these were cast out because they would not accept the Lord Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior from sin. Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for uh, encouragement, for the challenge that we find in your word. Thank you for the truths. And I pray, Father, you help us uh, to take heed to things which we un uh, hear and understand and uh, help us to rightly uh, divide thy truth. Lord, I pray that uh, we would have assurance uh, that we are in the kingdom of God translated uh, through faith in Christ into the kingdom of Christ. So, Lord, just, just thank you again for your word, and uh, thank you for your blessings to us, we pray in Jesus' name.